Welcome to the Disruptors Podcast. I'm Alexandria. And I'm Jasleen. We're here to disrupt the tech industry by connecting diverse job seekers with inclusive organizations where talent from communities that are underrepresented can thrive. Whether you're a job seeker who belongs to an underrepresented group, a tech employer interested in learning how to attract diverse talent, or a diversity, equity, and inclusion champion looking for resources, we have got you covered. Here's to disrupting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Disruptors. Today, we are talking about what it means to be bold in the workplace, and we have Tracy Justice on with us. We're really excited about this conversation. What does it mean to be bold? How do we be bold? How do we start working into this space of coming into our full potential and really disrupting the workplace with our success. And so if you're new here, I'm Jasleen, and I'm a career coach and co-founder of The Disruptors. I have a background in HR, educational background in psychology, and I'll hand it off to Alexandria to introduce herself. Yeah, I'm Alexandria, and my background is in psychology, specifically therapy with addictions, moved into tech, and then co-founded the Disruptors with Jasmine. I am also a coach. I do executive coaching with women in tech. Uh, it's Women's History Month, and so we've been talking about this all month, and this is a perfect conversation, in my opinion, to round out the month. And Tracy, we're so excited to have you here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, yes. Thank you both, Jasmine and Alexandria, for having me on. Um, I'm completely honored to be a part of the, the show today. Um, so um, as as you say, Tracy Justice, um, I call myself the Be Bold Coach. And um, first, before I talk about that story, let me just give you a little bit more about, you know, who I am. So I live in Indiana, um, live in Indiana with my husband and um, two young boys, um, a eighth grader and a third grader, no, and a first grader. And then I also have a 21 year old who's just completed um, college. Um, she has her economics degree. Um, so I have a background in insurance and just recently I was recruited to um, join HR. So I have also have a background in HR, but to lead to the story about what brought me to become the Be Bold Coach is that I found myself in a situation where I was recruited um, and I was, uh, very, um, I was very humble. I was very grateful for the position. And so I noticed as I was working as the HR director, I noticed that there were some things coming up in the, in, in the office and I didn't really hold true to my word. Um, I didn't hold true to my truth and I kind of went with the flow of things. And I started noticing that after a year, I would wake up every Monday with that stomach jitters. Um, and from that, I, well, you know what, let's just, maybe I'm just rambling on, but I, I wanted to get into the story. Is it okay to get into the story of how of I you know, did the beep? Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I joined an HR conference and, you know, when you join HR conferences, there's a lot of motivational and inspirational speakers that come to that. And, you know, I just felt really empowered. I, I remember just leaving there thinking, you know what, I have a voice and I have my values and I need to hold true to my values. And I need to let that show up in what I do at in my job because I just felt, un I didn't feel whole. 
And um, so I got to a place where I told my, um, he was an elected official, he was my boss. And I, you know, we did a survey, a culture survey, and I told him, you know, gave him the results. And he learned and I told him that, you know, people don't really, really like you, you know, and, and maybe I could have been nicer, but you know, but and I think that that's part of my story. But you know, I told him, I said, you know, people don't really like you, they don't trust you. But you know, how can we come up with a solution? How can we come up with a strategy, you know, even bought a book, you know, dare to lead by Brene Brown, you know, and I was just really excited about that. Um, I, I found out the next week that, you know, people weren't happy that I told him that. And before I knew it, I was, you know, being exited out, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, you know, I, I walked away from it. I didn't beg for it, but it set me down to it. it, it I found myself in a place of depression. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I felt bad because I, I told the truth about who I was and, you know, and I just didn't want, you know, the gossip and the, the, the lying to go on. I wanted, I just wanted to be honest and say, People don't like you, but what can we do to fix that? How can we make this a genuine mm-hmm. turnaround? And I, w- I beat myself up for telling him that truth. But then after that, that's when, you know, and I can get into the story later on, but something happened. My inner wisdom spoke to me and my inner wisdom was just like, no, you need to be bold. You need to be you. You just can't settle for something that doesn't align with who you are. And, you know, I let it go and started my journey of be bold, be you. Um, so that's who I am. I am someone who is living my life, walking this journey of being bold and being myself in everything that I do. Mm, I yeah. love that. There's so <laughs> many pieces of that story that I'm like, oh, there's so I know. many things. <laughs> I, I just being in HR and understanding like there are often uncomfortable truths that need to be exposed in order for the change that needs to happen to be released. And so I feel that. And so it's a lot about, okay, we're being bold. How do we be bold in a way where people, where it resonates for people? What do you think about, like, when you think about that, what is the kind of coming to your mind? What was your learning through that? You know, and and I think great question. I love that you asked that question because uh, I never want it to seem like, you know, I'm bashing on somebody else because I learned something about myself as well. And what I learned was that, you know, everybody, we're all in a different journey in our lives, you know, and we all have different values. And, you know, and I had to be mindful that there were certain values that were coming up for me. And it didn't necessarily mean that there are other people around me were going to be pulled in for the journey. That was my journey. And it was for me to be bold. It was for me to be clear on what my values were. And my values are like, if you want transformation, then we need to be real about it. What What's the problem that we're trying to fix? Like if we're sugarcoating it, I can't be that person for you because I cannot sugarcoat. Mm. I need to deal with the actual facts. Like that's who I am. But I had to accept the fact that the person I was working for was not on that particular journey. And although mm. that, you know, I felt that that was right, that was my moral thing. That wasn't fair for me to push that on him. That wasn't his journey. You know, he had other values and his values was that he was trying to keep his job (laughs) Mm -hmm. because he's an elected official. So for him, he didn't want to deal with the fact that, you know, for him, he felt like he was not in a place where he wanted to deal with, oh, people don't like me. He wanted to deal with people do like me. So what do I do next? What do I do next for my campaign? Mm. And, And then I think that, you know, what I realized is that I, you know, yes, I can be bold 
and I can be bold, but I had to be bold enough to know what my values were and to stand Uh on that for myself and not to expect anyone to validate me because not everyone's always going to validate us, but can I validate me? And I felt good because at the end of the day, no, I didn't have that paycheck Uh (laughs) that I was so used to, you know, collecting, but I had my integrity. Like I could go home, I could sleep at night knowing that, you know, because the story behind that was that it there was a pact, it, it, a pact, like, let's just, let's deal with him, but let's not, you know, let's deal with him, but let's not, you know, tell him the truth. And mm-hmm. I went against that. And because I went against that, it backfired on me. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's why I say like, you know, I can sleep at night because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't belong to a gossip group. I belong to a group of people, you know, I belong to the community. So for me, it was like, how do we work together as a community? But I just... I had to realize that it was just my value. I couldn't push that value on anybody else. As much as I care about community, it's not fair for me to do that. So my learning was that, you know what? Know who you are, know what you want, and and don't try to force people. You can try to influence people, but if people don't go with it, then focus your energy on people that will, because there are people out there that are looking for truth, that are looking for that. So go with that, you know? Like, don't focus on that. So that was my learning, like, I know who I am now because of that situation. So now what am I going to do with that, that new awareness? And that's what my life is about now. Yeah. So being bold was kind of the catalyst to you discovering who you really needed to be and what environment was going to be right for you. Yes, 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 yes. Being clear on that. And I, and I had to, I had to admit that I was ready. I was done with settling. I had to admit that with Mm -hmm. myself, like, okay, Tracy, our, are what are you going to do now? And so being bold was just being, being okay with the fact that I don't know at that time, I didn't know, but, but knowing that there was something better because you just don't hold on to your values. And I don't know if that's what I believe, but I just don't believe that, you know, you make a pivotal choice in your life for nothing, right? Like mm-hmm. if you can't see it now, it's because it's growing, right? Like when they talk about an orchid, an orchid takes forever to grow, right? Like, you know, it's growing underneath the soil before you can even see it, but you have to believe that it's growing because that one day, you know, something's going to turn out from that. So that's what, that's what I hold so on to. I feel like that. the next question you've kind of already started answering it. So being <laughs> bold, like, what does it really mean? It means holding on to your values. It means holding on to that belief that something is worthy of growth there. It's about action. So what, what is that full definition? Like, what, can you expand on that for us? Like, what does being bold really mean? So being bold to me is about being able to be comfortable being courageous enough to walk that unknown path like you know to know that you know you have a desire in your heart and 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 sometimes I laugh at myself because I feel like I'm cheesy but I am cheesy but I really do believe that you know God puts a desire in all of our hearts and and we're meant to live that out but when we live it out in the external world we'll see that we'll get so much backlash we'll get like you know all this you know conforming or this massaging pressure right like you know people trying to conform you and it's like only you know what's in your heart. Nobody else does. And nobody else has that responsibility to carry out what's in your heart. Only we do as individuals. And and I think it's beautiful that we come together as a community to to try to, you know, push that as as an initiative. 
But at the end of the day, the only person that has the power to really bring that that thing out of yourself is you. And you have to be bold enough to own that, to know that at the end of the day, if you don't win, or if you win or lose, it's because of what you do. It's not mm-hmm. because of what anybody else does. It's just the narrative that we assign to other things. At the end of the day, we own the choices that we make and we own our outcome, but not because we desire the outcome because it's we're owning every moment of every day, right? Like being present and just, Mm -hmm. so it's just being bold enough to like let that light shine because it's not always going to be easy. It's so easy to say, right? It just sounds so fluid as I'm saying this right now, but it is the hardest thing for us to do to believe in ourselves, you know, and to give grace to ourselves, to truly love ourselves to do that. I mean, yeah. oh, I can go on and on. So I'm going to slow yeah. down a little bit. I kind of got goosebumps <laughs> when you said that, when you said it's a responsibility to carry out what's in your heart. Like that, I it takes me back to, I had a near-death experience after I had my kids. And when I woke up, I was in a in a fog. But as that fog sort of went away, I, there was just this palpable sense of, I got a second chance. I'm here and there's something in my heart that needs to be carried out. And I have to keep going back and reminding myself of that because as the world turns and we get reconditioned back into our old beliefs and mindset, Mm -hmm. there is that sense of calling, that sense of purpose that we, I think we all know it's there. I feel like we all know that there's more to life. There's more to our existence. And so not to get too, we don't really get too existential on this, <laughs> on the disruptors, <laughs> but I feel like it really, it reminded me of that, that, that responsibility to carry out what's in your heart. It's honoring your authentic self. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think that yes. that speaks all to the very human centeredness of all the things that we talk about here. Right. And there was so many human first elements of what you talked about with your story in that HR, like you were being human first when you decided to share that truth with him. And while sometimes they're uncomfortable truths and they're hard truths, and we make these choices to not say that to people because it's not polite or it puts us at risk or lots of other reasons why you might not it is human first to share those hard things. Like it doesn't mean that people want to hear it or can hear it, but it, you said something that was true and was shown in the survey, it sounds like, and important information for him to know, but also us showing up as full humans is living through our values. And what does that mean for us and defining that and finding that pathway forward? Like we all have to have the space to do that. And like you said, talk, taking the ownership of it and holding that and really finding the path that aligns with that. It's going to be how we all thrive. And I think that's what we're all about here as well at the disruptors is really encouraging workplaces to have an inclusive environment that also involves safety to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so if people didn't like how you, how you provided that message, Mm -hmm that's okay. But like, how do we then course correct? How do we give feedback to say, okay, this, or how do we even own our feelings in that? Right? No one yeah. like the wants to hear that there people don't like them. Ownership. <laughs> yeah. Like because- no one wants to hear that people don't like them, but if that's what's getting in the way of you really coming to your full potential, in, in this case, that leader who, you know, mm-hmm. probably wanted to get voted into office again. 
And so if that's the main goal, then what is it? How are we, how are we making that environment safe psychologically that we can make mistakes, that we can have the difficult conversations, we can own our emotions in the space and really get to the best solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I completely agree. And I think that that's like the number one thing is that there has to be leadership buy-in. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think because with him being the leader, I, I felt like, you know what, there's really nothing else I can do at this point. Like, you know, there isn't any, like, mm-hmm. what, who do I go to, you know, talk to, because you're right. Like, how do we create that? And really the only way to create that is with him not being there, right? Like at the mm-hmm. end of the day, he just needs to not be in that position because mm-hmm. that sort of environment couldn't be created with him. But I think it, you know, I mean, like when you're in an organization, right? Cause we're talking about for people that are in from different walks of life. Cause when you're an entrepreneur, I can pick and choose now. Cause that's, that's what I felt like for my mental health that I just need to be able to pick and choose who I can work with because it is so important to me that it's it that I work with leadership that are truly trying to make a change. If they're talking about DEI, then what are you trying to do? Like, are you seriously committed? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, then I'm not the right person. And so it's it's easier for me to be that contracted person. But like if you're working with in an organization, you know, how do you get leaders? Right. I guess that is the question. How do you get leaders to think about that inclusiveness? Um I mean, what, what would you guys say? I guess, you know, mm-hmm. you know, what, 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 what would you say based on, you know, so far what you've seen on the show, what have people said from what you've heard? So how do you get leaders to really pay attention to that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what have you seen? Like, you know, have you heard, you know, you know, with guests coming on the show, have you heard what, you know, people are saying? Cause I guess I have my hypothesis, but, <laughs> but I just wonder what are people saying? Yeah, I would say like the, go ahead, Jesseline. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. So, I mean, one of our major industries is the tech industry and there's a wide swath of leaders that are in the tech industry. And there is an interesting amount of buy-in for diversity, equity, and inclusion within the space, but it still shows up as performative often. And when you start getting into the work that has to be done and the ownership that has to be done, and it can't just be like, oh yeah, go ahead. Here's your budget, do the thing it really needs to be bought in at the top levels of leadership. The biggest thing that moves that is the direct connection to business return on investment. And so what does it mean for the business and how can they attach their minds to the revenue profitability business case for it? And that seems to be the attention getter more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to get the attention. You got to speak the language of the person who is resistant to the change. And so to your question, Tracy, of like, what are people saying? I find I don't pay attention as much to what they're saying, but what's behind those words. What aren't they saying? Mm -hmm. What are the fears? Where is the resistance coming from? Where is the misinformation that has led them down this path of believing that this way is the right way? And so what you described in that organization with that leader was a very much command and control ego-based leadership. And so we're trying to move organizations away from this, not just because it's the right thing to do, 
But if you move toward inclusive leadership, if you're able to influence people without reprimanding them, rewarding them properly, motivating them properly, creating an environment for innovation and change and sustainable change, that leads to good performance for the company as a whole. It empowers your people. That's mm -hmm. your, your talent is your biggest asset, especially in the tech industry. And so for me, it's like finding that common ground with the leader to say, okay, where, what, I'm not coming in with my agenda. This isn't, this isn't about me. This isn't about DEI. I'm not asking for a handout. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. want to know what your issues are. And I'm going to ask you some tough questions that'll probably shed some light on where DEI is also going to help with these, these issues. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I love that. It's like, it, it sounds like, you know, of course, I'm going to flip it around to what I say, but bold, right? It just sounds like being bold enough mm -hmm. to have those bold conversations because because that's what I see too, that leaders always want that direct, you know, they want that business case, right? For HR, they want that business case of how, you know, how are you going to affect the bottom line, you know, with this DEI initiative. But it seems like before we can even get to that place, like, can we first have a conversation about what DEI means to, to the leadership yeah. in the, um, in the organization, right? Cause it's like, how can you put money, you know, how can you create a budget unless we really have a full idea of what we're looking at, then we can come up with like this this strategic plan. And it's not only like this DEI plan, but it's like, okay, how can we interweave DEI throughout the whole organization, throughout uh -huh. the whole strategic plan? And then when we think about all the resources and everything that's going to be needed, then it's like, okay, now we know what the cost is going to be. Uh -huh. But it just seems like, you know, I just think it's interesting that leaders want that, that those numbers first, but it's like, I need the information first. Like I, I need some data. I need to see what we're working with. And then like, yeah. you know, who's going to be bold enough to have these bold conversations. And it's like, you know, don't even expect for somebody to come in and say, okay, this is what diversity means. This is what, you know, uh, inclusion mean, but it's like, yeah. what does diversity mean to you? Like, when you think about it, I want to know what, yeah. you, what it means to you. What does it mean to yeah. you? Inclusion. What does inclusion mean? Like before you even get a dictionary, right? Just to see like, where is everyone's starting place? And then kind of see like, in what are we trying to do? Then how can we upscale so that people know how to be inclusive? So it's like, it's just, I just think it's so interesting when, you know, they want this, okay, how much is going to cost? Cause it's like, ah. yeah. And I love how you say that because I think we have a really outdated definition of DEI. Yeah. When I started in HR back in the day, it was only called D&I. There wasn't even an E. <laughs> yes, and you would think right. that by you would think by adding the E equity and let's spell that out for those of you that don't know it. It's diversity, equity, and inclusion. Sometimes we include a J for justice and yes, we and B include for, a B for belonging, belonging, A for accessibility. There was another yes. A that I'm forgetting right now, but there, there are different versions of that. And so why might we, how do we define it as an organization? So ask yourself yes. as your DEI practitioner, be bold enough to co-create that definition, make it yes. have meaning for the organization. Because the thing is that the E, the equity piece, like that, we've had that in the acronym forever. And I still hear people confused about what that means. They think it means equality, right? And so I feel like equality is we treat everybody the same. Mm -hmm. You all get the same Equ height box. 
That's right. Everybody, well, this is how I treat you. If I, if I give you this, I have to give them that. But equity is recognizing that we're not all starting on a level playing field. Mm -hmm. And so for those of us who are lower on the playing field, what are we doing to help level the playing field? We're not trying to get them ahead or give them some special privileges. We're just recognizing that the part of the field that they are on is broken. The system Mm -hmm. is broken before they even enter your organization. And so I think that's a challenge to leaders is like when you're hearing, oh, we need this kind of resource, we need that. And your fear is, I don't want to support that because then I have to give this to to this group and that group. But are those groups, where, where are they? What are they? Are they actually experiencing unique challenges that are keeping them from advancing through your organization? Or do they look a lot like the leadership? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you brought up a good point when you said the equality th- part too, equality versus equity, because if people are thinking equality, the definition of equality is is what equity is, then then that's why they think like, well, I got to treat everybody the same. It's like, no, you don't even understand what's being said. Like it's equity, not equality. Yeah. So it seems like that's and it's and and I think in it, in it, that's why I think it goes back to like showing like, you know, being bold enough to like say, you know what, we don't have a, we don't have a curriculum, <laughs> you know, and they're always looking like, do you have a DEI curriculum? Do you have like a program? No, I don't have a program. My program is I want to know what's going on up in here because a program will come mm-hmm. up from here. Mm-hmm. But I think that because, you know, they just hire people to come in and talk about these things, mm-hmm. you know, these people are, you know, are talking about great DEI topics, but not knowing where people are. So mm-hmm. with their understanding, they're thinking equality, equality, because I've I've walked into rooms where I'm like, oh, so what do you guys do about DEI? And they're like, uh, what is what does that mean? I'm like, what does that that mean? We're in 2023 at this point. What do you mean? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. But there's people who don't, they still mm-hmm. do not know. So I think it's now it's like there's so much information out there that people don't even know what to do to look for it. And I think it goes back to like, you know, keep it real with yourself. Like, you know, for some leaders, like, you know, if you walk into a room and you know, and you've got like thoughts that go on through your mind when you see different people, keep it real. You thought these different things, like that's Mm -hmm. DEI. Like those are the things that you need to think about when we're talking about DEI. Why did you look at her a certain way? Why did you look at him a certain Mm -hmm. way? You know, um, oops. And often people are saying like that, you know, if you ask a leader, what are you doing? And it, and the answer is training and that's it you know that they're not really understanding the true definition of DEI because again, it's seen as something that can be outsourced. It's not my responsibility. It's just something that I need to put resources toward having a training versus a true education and cultural shift. Yes. Because that requires a whole change management plan. Yes. Yes, because- yeah. I mean, if any, any sort of group, if you have a dominant group and a minority group, you're not going to get the dominant group thinking and behaving differently that supports the minority group unless a huge shift occurs. Yes. And, and a training program is not going to, one training program is not going to do that. Is, is not. And, and, no. and, and I think that that's why people like, don't talk about these things. Like, you know, they don't talk about these uncomfortable things because 
because then some leaders have to admit that, yeah, they are biased. And even though that they don't want to admit that they're biased, they're biased. And, mm-hmm. you know, and if I have, you know, for some leaders, if they have to deal with that emotion, because I ended up talking to to my ex-boss and I told him and I told him, I said, you know what? You treated me differently than everyone else um, because I'm the only black woman in your office. And that's why you treated me that way. And you made me an example. And he said, oh, no, no, no. And I said, yes, you did. And I said, even though you don't want to admit it to yourself, you did. And I know that you did. We both know that you did. Now, whether you want to admit it, you know, to, to me right now, that's fine. But you did. You treated me differently. And yeah. but a lot of leaders don't want to deal with that. So when you talk about DEI, then, you know, when you have to ask them, you know, what are your thoughts on what's going on? If they have to deal with that emotional feelings, they don't want to deal with that emotional yeah. feeling. So let's not talk about DEI. Nope, we don't need that here because I'm here to work. I'm not here to deal with my yeah. emotional stuff. Like, no, no, thank you. I'm glad you said that because, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm always talking over you, Alexander. You go ahead, go ahead. Well, that's one of the things that we always talk about. Like you have to start with the why. Why are we doing yes. this? Why is diversity, equity, and inclusion something that's on our roadmap? Why are we hiring consultants? Why are we doing the trainings? Why did we decide that now whatever date you've decided is important? What is the personal attachment to why? And pushing that and understanding that. And if they don't have an answer or they're like, because we're supposed to, like, there's a lot of work to do there. I want to go back to what you said, like how you confronted that leader, because that is bold. And I think (laughs) Even though you've left and even though, you know, in a sense, you know, they won in that situation, you were able to leave a mark there. You were able to say that whether they internalized it, believed it, reflected that's on them. But you did your part in calling a spade a spade. And I feel like because when you first said that at the beginning, I was thinking to myself, how might that have looked differently if you were a white man? Mm -hmm. You know, how might that have been, like, how might mm-hmm. it have been seen as stepping out of your place, inappropriate, like this is not the behavior I would expect, or even from a place of ego, it hurts more when it's from a woman or another group that yes. should be, I see as below me. And if I can't, if I can't feel that way, then what is that, what is that really saying about that leader? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. That, and that's exactly it. Cause I felt like, you know, granted I had my own insecurities because I, I, you know, I didn't have an HR background before, you know, I got that position. So I thought, well, you know, he doesn't believe me, you know, he doesn't really think I'm capable, but, you know, I still go back to like, but if I was a white man, because the whole plan was that, you know, when I start working there, you know, after two years, I can go get my sherm. Um, but you know, um, but I found out that I didn't need to wait after two years that I, in my first year, I can get my APHR and, you know, so I was able to do that. So I thought like, you know, why couldn't he look at that and say like, look at how ambitious she is. Like I told her that I was just, you know, that we were going to take care of it, that she had two years, but she's like, uh, uh-uh, I don't even want the two years. I can get you credential in a year, you know, and then work on my SHRM the second year, you know? So I thought like, you know, if anything, I felt like I proved myself, but mm-hmm. I realized like, you know what? Yeah, I I did it right. Like I had to be, I had to look a certain way. And because I didn't look that certain way, I felt like the things that I had to say, you know, were dismissed. But at the end of the day, you know, I I had to be bold and just hold on to my truth. And I had to hold on to it, even though that nobody else was holding on with it, you know, holding on to it with me. I had to be okay with 
holding on to it by myself. I had to be okay that I did not even have my SHRM certification when um, I left there. And I thought that I was ruined because I thought, oh my God, I don't have a job anymore. So how am I even going to get this um, certification? You know, and I was, you know, I was just in this whole, but, you know, the fact that I was just like, Tracy, you got this. You got this. Like the reason you even got this HR job is because people can see this in you. That's why you you manifested this. Like we talked about manifest, but you 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 <laughs> said that you wanted this. You talked about this, and you created it. Like you got it, and you got the experience. Now take it to the next level. You're okay. You can go forward. But but it took a lot of really pushing myself. You know, if I'm being honest, because I mean, I really kind of looked at myself like, oh, you you black girl, you should have stayed right there in your lane. And now because you didn't stay in your lane, you don't have a job. And mm -hmm. now, you know, you've just got to try to hustle it up and figure it out. And, you know, but I I had to like, you know, keep, keep talking to myself and saying, don't, don't, don't believe that. Don't believe yeah. that you're, you're, you're bigger and better than that. You've got a calling on your life and just move forward with that. <laughs> I think that but, highlights you know, like how broken the system is, right? We've been talking about it all month with lots of different things, like where have we come, like how will we know when we get there? And like, it's still very broken. It's still a problem mm -hmm. that you walked away from that job. Like you had to like psych yourself up to stand in that boldness because the system wasn't set up in a way that you were safe to just express that. It was something that needed and should be expressed and you were bold enough to do it. But even having that conversation of needing to be in that boldness says that we are still having problems. And I think that that's where the mindful disruption piece comes in, Jasleen. And I'd like you to share some about that is choosing those places to push the system, to change the system in a way that it can work for everybody. So people can speak up and can be in their truths and we can actually all thrive because if we don't, nothing's gonna change. Yeah. No, this is a tough one because you could be sitting here listening to this conversation and thinking, okay, I'm in my lane. I know I know what needs to happen. I know a little bit about who I am. I know I want to discover more about who I am and really step into my potential. But being in an environment where you really know in your gut that it's not safe to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's real. And that's that's yeah. that's a real issue when there are systemic forces at play and you don't know if it's safe. Cause like to your point, Tracy, like you, for you, that was a defining moment. And I think it, it's important to think about, okay, is this my defining moment? But if we're always kind of up against that, the, the, the systems of oppression and we go from one organization to another, it, it, it wears you down. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 exactly. It depletes your confidence and we start to question our own. We say, okay, maybe I need another credential. Cause I, even as you were talking about that, I was like, like I've, I've been fully credentialed and still questioned and still being told you don't get what's happening in the business. And I, and sometimes that was a fair challenge. And I feel like that's one of the tools of mindful disruption for me is so let me first just really define what mindful disruption is, because I, I talk about that a lot on my TikTok and, you know, I've built kind of a, a system and process in my coaching practice around this. Um, it's one of the pillars of being an inclusive leader. And so, so leaders need to do this in order to pave the way for others, but individual contributors also need to be doing this because not everything 
can or should be a battle because we also have to protect our own emotional energy. Mm-hmm. If we're if we're going out into the world in battle every day, first of all, the double bind of that narrower band of acceptable behaviors for women. And then if you're a black woman, it's even more narrow. And if you're indigenous, another person of color, if you belong to the queer community, if you're disabled, that band of acceptable behavior starts to get really, really small where mm-hmm. if you belong to the dominant group, you can behave in all these sorts of ways. You can be bold and get away in with it. Rash- yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can be bold and get away with it. But if you are belong to a marginalized group, there's also that fear of, no, I know if I'm going to be bold, I know what's going to happen. It's happened before. And now I'm just going to stay in my lane. I'm just going to do my job. I'm going to quietly quit. And I'm going to coast and just whatever. It's just a, It's just something to pay the bills. The issue with that is we're not disrupting the systems of oppression with our success. And so mindful disruption is about, yes, we're going to disrupt the systems. We're going to do it in a mindful way. We're going to do it in a way where we understand that our efforts and the risk that we're taking outweighs like so that the benefit outweighs that that the risk or the consequence. Like we need to know, and we also need to have the tools in order to do that. We need to understand that there are invisible rules for career progression. There are invisible rules for acceptable behaviors. There are invisible biases that are all there, that everyone knows they're there. They're not written out. They're not spoken about, but they're followed. Like similar to your Mm -hmm. example, what were those conversations that were happening behind closed doors when you said people don't like you? How dare she? How Mm -hmm. we don't know what they were saying, but I can imagine what they were saying. The optics of this. Oh, Mm -hmm. the optics of Tracy calling him out. We can't have that. Or finding an excuse, because I've seen this happen a lot, where the leader says, let's put them on a performance improvement plan, because this is not how we behave, even though Tom Mm -hmm. and Chad are getting away with behaving that way. (laughs) Yeah, because I would not, I would not go for it. It was just like, right? yeah, okay. <laughs> and then you see this, and I've, I've, I've seen performance improvement plans done well. I've helped leaders draft them. Mm-hmm. And I've also on the other side now as a career coach, I've seen people bring these performance improvement plans to me and it's so riddled with bias. Nothing is objective. It's like, okay, we're, we're working on your presence. We're working on being more likable. Like what? <laughs> likable like these kind of things like maybe they didn't write the words likable but it was like okay how are they being a team player very subjective terms instead of saying um we need to build your your business acumen or your strategic or financial acumen to get you there and and studies show this too that men will get this very specific objective actionable feedback that leads to performance and um promotion better outcomes mm-hmm. women get very subjective very style based feedback and so Again, going back to this mindful disruption, there's many pieces of that. So part of that is 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 looking at the forest through the trees instead of saying, I got to fix me. It's all it's a me problem. I got to do this. I got to stay in my lane or I don't have to stay in my lane or have to leave. But also, how are we changing the world? How are we changing the systems? But doing so in a way that it 
like you see all of the um the sort of ERGs are run by women and people of color and LGBTQ and disabled folks. Um, we we're also doing it in a way that we're not getting promoted. So how are we doing it in a way where we're also prioritizing our success and disrupting mm. with our success? Because it's actually, a lot of my clients will be like, "Oh, I feel guilty doing this," and and this is what I say to them. I say, "Why do you feel guilty prioritizing your own success when?" Like you're, you're feeling bad about all these other people here, but you can't help all these people over here until you are successful, mm-hmm. until you do get to that level. And so right here, how, how are we doing where you are? How, how much are you helping these people? You're, you're not, you're not until you get to a place of where, and Michelle Obama talks about this all the time. She was talking about it on a podcast recently where she was asked about her braids and she was like, Listen, like when I was in the White House, I didn't wear braids because even when I got bangs, like the the front line on the newspaper, if I was going and doing something for for charity, instead of talking about the good work I was doing, they were talking about my bangs. So I definitely like just even doing a fist bump, they were getting, you know, Mm -hmm. you know what the messages were. And so um And so she talks about this as saying the way I was, she didn't use the term mindful disruption, but she was mindfully disrupting by, I was wearing designers that were people of color. Like the, the, the first lady was always dressed by Oscar de la Rente and she made a deliberate choice to, so maybe she wasn't allowed to be fully authentically herself at the time, but she was still mindfully disrupting with with her platform and with her success. Okay. 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 Yes. Okay. So I, I I see what you mean by mindful disruption. Okay. So what are you doing? Right. Like, so what are you doing? So, because you brought up how maybe people don't want to rock the boat too much, right? Because it's real. It's real when you have to deal with all of that, but at the same time, how do you position yourself though? How do you position yourself in such a way that, you know, maybe you don't, have to lose your job, but you do things that's that's mindful and intentional about disrupting mm. and making those changes because they talk about microaggressions, right? Like they're like mm. little paper cuts. So so it's like you're saying mindful disruption is like just keep doing that because you're gonna make change with all these different things that you're doing yeah. that you can do. Oh, okay. So instead of micro, so the, I think a good way of thinking about it is like. It, you know, responding to every microaggression can be exhausting, especially if you're in an environment where you're experiencing them like left, right, and center. Mm -hmm. And then you get seen as the aggressive one, the difficult one, whatever it might be. And so when you think about it as, okay, I'm going to respond to each microaggression with a micro correction, (laughs) it's like, it's not always worth your time. But when you think about you know, you acknowledge that the microaggressions are there. You take care of yourself. Your boundaries are very important. Um, but also thinking like, how am I disrupting on a macro level? Mm-hmm. How am I, how am I playing? How am I elevating this disruption and prioritizing myself mm-hmm. in this without saying, okay, I must be the problem. I need to change. I need to conform. I need to adapt to the invisible rules. And so I teach the invisible rules that come from masculine culture in, in, in leadership and in within teams 
not because we want to play by them because sometimes we play by them and it backfires on us, but just so we're aware of them because when we know the rules, we can call out the rule without attacking the person. Yes. And and then it's like, I'm noticing again, this, this behavior, Mm -hmm. I'm noticing again, this behavior and, and just repeating that until they start noticing that behavior and where it's coming from and how it's serving the organization as a whole, because often it's not, if it's coming from fear or ego or, um, you know, just centering yourself. Mm -hmm. And the other benefit of doing that, right. Is you don't send up the psychological immune system, but you get to have the conversation and you get to go around it in a way that like you just said, it's attached to a behavior. It's actionable. It's much more approachable than emotions, right? Because emotions don't belong in the workplace. We all know that that's ridiculous. Anger is still an emotion. <laughs> but it is attached in a way that is appropriate and the invisible rules and the way they show up. And it's following the rules while then changing them from the inside. Yes, I love that. And 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 that's a great way because it's not just talking about organizationally what is what is happening on an organizational level, but but it's still through individuals. It sounds mm. like is what you're saying is helping individuals kind of gain their confidence mm. and still challenge the system, but in such a way that still prioritizes their success, right? Because yes. now they're, you know, they're there, you know, not only are you addressing the issues that you see, but you're doing it in a way that really shows your own inclusive leadership, right? Their own skills to yeah. like get people to start talking. Cause, and I, and I love that because it's, cause at the end of the day, I think that that's where we're at, right? Like, I think that, you know, DEI has gone from like, oh, this is what DEI is about. This is what DEI, DEI is about. And then to like the, the telling, right? Like, this is what mm-hmm. I want you to do, what I want you to do. Now it's like, we're now, okay, people, let's become empowered to have these conversations Mm -hmm. because it's not about telling. We have so many different things that are like telling and pushing, but how can we just show up to like create this awareness? Because like you say, maybe, you know, the first time that you bring it up, people don't see it, but that constant, constant addressing. But it's like, where are you playing? Because you have to be thinking about it strategically, like you said, on those levels, but it's, it's the individual level it's the interpersonal level and the organizational or systemic level, right? Because there's the organization, but there's also the systems that that organization exists within Mm -hmm. the forces Mm -hmm. that come against us. Like you see, I don't know if it was just in Canada, but um, Hershey just had a campaign for, for women's month where there was a trans person, a trans woman who was, leading that campaign and there was this huge backlash. Mm -hmm. And so an organization that's trying to be inclusive and then corrects by taking all of it down and saying, we still believe in it, but we see that it's upsetting people. So we're taking it down. It's right. There's that also the context. So it's like Mm -hmm. that systemic, what is the, what's happening in the world? That's a reality that Mm -hmm. is coming up against the organization and then the organization itself how are we embedding DEI at all levels in all systems and processes in the education not the training but the education and then the interpersonal level when we're speaking to one another how are we speaking to each other in a way that promotes change versus shuts down conversations and how are we motivating coaching developing other DEI leaders because it's not about it just being one person in the organization. It's about everyone owning their part. 
and and those behaviors being rewarded consistently and people understanding the connection to that broader goal and on the individual level how are we really learning our own gaps when it comes to DEI because I believe like the more I learn about other underrepresented groups it helps me be kinder to myself Mm -hmm. because I realize that some of these things overlap with how my experience has been and even though you know I'm not as marginalized as other groups or you know from an intersectional perspective I do have a lot of privilege but it helps me to get out of, you know, we talked about this before we jumped on here is that perfectionist mindset, because it's like these pressures are all coming down on us to change ourselves. Mm-hmm. And yes, we stay, we change ourselves. We look at our circle of influence and what we can do, mm-hmm. but also looking at it strategically without burning out. Mm-hmm. Well, so I'd like to hear from both of you, right? Because I think we've talked about a lot of things and the two approaches and the overlap for them in my mind is huge. And being able to show up in the workplace as a woman, specifically in male dominated industries, we are facing so many of the same things that we have been facing since we showed up in the traditional workspace that white women entered and it became this thing of women working when women have been working always, right? That's not new, but we've decided sometime in the seventies is when we are going to say that that was when it showed up. But what does that look like? And what tools would you recommend that women focus on and start with what they want to be bold? They want to choose their moment and they want to mindfully disrupt. Um, I guess I'll start. Um, I'll say, you know, know what you want. And, and I know it sounds so simple, but I, what I find is that sometimes we think we know what we want. We just kind of go with the status quo. We go with the flow. But I would say, get clear on what it is that you want. Know what you want, what's important to you, you know, your values. Just kind of get clear on that because because what I find is that when when you're clear on what you want and you're clear on your values, then then it's easy for you to kind of navigate because you know what you want, you know what values that you want to incorporate. Then it's it becomes easier. It's not the easiest thing, but I'd say know what you want, know what you want for sure, you know, and then make sure that, you know, it's what you want. And then, you know, from there, I believe that, you know, wisdom comes from there. But first, you know, knowing what you want begins that path. Yeah, that value alignment is huge. I, uh, yeah, and I agree that it, it sounds like such a simple question, but a lot of people don't know how to answer that, right? They're like, what do I want? I I, I kind of didn't think about me because I was told I'm supposed to want this. <laughs> and this is what the, this is what hierarchical organizations look like. This is what, and so we just follow this path that was created by and for people that don't necessarily look like us. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's starting with that, know what you want. And then what is my path to that? And how might that look different? Because for women, especially women of color, there's a lack of role models of where we can look and say, oh, they figured it out. They know how to balance all of the things that we value, like for myself, that would be okay. They, they're they doing the motherhood thing well, they're doing like the partnership thing well, they're doing like they're, they're doing it all. It's, it's really hard to find that example. And so I think understand what that is and understand that your route to that might look different. 
And the other thing that I feel like is a critical tool, and so this is part of the mindful disruption, the invisible rules, the inclusive leadership framework, is really getting good at the business strategic and financial acumen, because we often are, we as women, we're not told that that's a prerequisite to getting the trust of the leadership so that we can be bolder. So we can call people out on, because mm-hmm. we tend to care more about the people and the culture and all of these things. And people hear it as if it's like something separate to the business. Mm-hmm. And so we really need to understand the pain points from a business perspective, speak the language, understand the external forces, what the investors are asking for, what, and sometimes when we ask these questions, even the leaders don't know. And so it's a bold question when the leaders are sitting there going, Ooh, I actually don't know. And, and then work from there to really start to build credibility and, and learn more about yourself and your strengths and how you're going to apply them. And so if, and there are no dumb questions in this space, because I think the biggest resource is ask other leaders, ask other women, take it with a grain of salt, because if if the leader is from a more dominant group than you, that what worked for them might not work for you. Mm-hmm. But um, on, in this vein on, um, oh, this is actually going to air, we pre-recorded this episode, but if you go back to our, our LinkedIn page, we are having a discussion around, um, you know, there are no stupid questions and you can ask any question. And so we're going to be answering a lot of those unspoken questions. Um, and so we'll put the link for that in the comments when we, when we air this on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really just asking questions, get yourself a mentor and understand, start asking the questions like, what are those invisible rules? What are the behaviors that people are looking for mm-hmm. and start challenging them as well. Oh yeah. I think understanding the invisible rules is huge, right? It doesn't mean that we need to play with them, play by them. It doesn't mean that we need to agree with them because, Ooh, I do not, I do not agree with like any of them, but knowing what systems that you're working with within allows you to actually change them. So knowing what you want and where you're going, Tracy, I love that. And then what systems are you working within and what are the options? Because you don't know what you don't know. So asking around and being able to take in as much information as possible to see what path is ahead of you that's value aligned, that'll feel good and you can sustain. Because if it doesn't feel good and it's not you, it can't be sustained and that's burnout too. Mm -hmm. Needs to be authentic. Needs to be authentically you. And I'm very excited for a world in which these conversations are, oh man, I can't believe they had to fight so long for all of these things and they can just be normal life. Normal, like setting on a dryer, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tracy, would you like to share with people where if they want to work with you, where they can find you? Yes, definitely. Visit me at www.beboldbu.com. That's um, B-B-O-L-D-B-U. Um, also, I'm on Instagram and Facebook, um, um, Be Bold Coach, and, you know, search Be Bold Coach. Um, yeah, so that's 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 where, and I'm also on LinkedIn as well, um, as well, yes. Perfect. 
so if you did like uh Jasleen said oh end of the day I apologize as Jasleen <laughs> said this is pre-recorded and not our normal time of day that we do these um this is going to be airing on March 29th hopefully mm-hmm. you have joined us for all the other episodes this month we have some really exciting episodes in April coming up that we are super excited about so keep an eye out for those episodes if you are listening to the podcast and you are probably even further behind on it because it is about a month behind the lives so uh, if you'd like to go back to those Jesleen you want to talk about where they can find the podcast yep we'll put the link so if we haven't put all the links Tracy's links all the links in here whoever watches this the first person to hear this please comment and remind us to put the link in because like we said we're pre-recording this um and so yes come find us the disruptors on linkedin all the links will be there you can find me as well on tiktok uh, that's where i share a lot about the invisible rules and mindful disruption at coach jasleen i'm also on instagram but i haven't been as active on instagram lately and linkedin um and i we mentioned the tracy did you have cuz for transparency we don't at this point, we cannot pay our presenters. I, don't, I, don't, I forgot to ask you if you had a tip jar, uh, Venmo or linked, uh, a link to in your bio where people can tip you for your time here today. A frog in her throat. Unfortunately, she's trying to get breath. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know what happened there, but I did create the Venmo. Okay. Um, we'll put that I link did. in there as well. Yes. Okay, so, so then if you I'll found send that value to you. from this conversation. Please, please tip Tracy yes. um, and help us just get more and more guests come on this show. We want to really show our guests a lot of love for their unpaid labor here. And yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, well, thank you, ladies, for such a lovely conversation. It has been delightful, and I'm excited to have this air and see what the community response is. Both added so much value, and I appreciate your insights. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Tracy. All right. Well, we will close out for today and we will see you all next week. Bye. That concludes today's episode. If you want to help us disrupt the tech industry to increase the representation of diverse talent, please register and subscribe at our website, jobdisruptors.com. Also, please subscribe and leave a review for the podcast and share with DEI champions and diverse talent alike. Here's to disrupting.